The NBA season has come to an end. We have a new NBA champion. There are some parallels, at least I think, between those Denver Nuggets and uh, the Bucks we saw two years ago. Potentially the Bucks we see this upcoming year. We'll get into that on Locked on Bucks. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm Justin Garcia. She's Camille Davis. We're in for Kane Pittman and Frank Madden once again. This episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And uh, Camille, I mentioned the season is over now. So this is our first day into the NBA offseason here. Uh, it feels like just yesterday. Actually, it doesn't. That uh, You go all the way back to October, which is it, it is really a marathon with this season. But we saw the Denver Nuggets win their first title in franchise history last night. So I mentioned there was a lot about uh, this Nuggets team and the Nuggets overall that reminded me of uh, 2021 and the Bucks winning. But before we get into that, your thoughts seeing the Denver Nuggets win the title last night? You know, going into like the playoffs, looking at the Western Conference, it's the NBA is at an interesting place right now because it feels like we have the most parity that we've had in quite some time. So it's like going through these different matchups. I don't know if that's going to change either. I don't think it is anytime soon, to be honest with you, especially with the the CBA kind of making these super teams with three max contracts seem more um, unattainable. But um Denver was a team that just all the way through, it was like they ended the regular season kind of in a whimper where it was like this, I don't know if it's going to carry them to the playoffs, but once those lights got a little bit brighter, they continued to shine. And it was funny watching them through the playoffs because on Tech File, one of our co-hosts is a Lakers fan. So going through it, he kept saying, God, I hope Phoenix beats Denver because I do not want to see Denver. And it was interesting just to hear him admit it. Like he was just, I don't want to see Denver and then the Lakers get swept and he's like I told you like I knew it I just knew I had a feeling about it and um seeing it come out the west and seeing they were matched up with the heat um I know there are some people who go along the train of thought of well I hope the heat win because they beat the Bucks so at least we can say the team that the Bucks lost to won the championship but I was like this this Denver team just poses some problems for Miami that I don't know that all the grit in the world can make up for. Like they are just smaller than than Denver. And looking at Jokic in particular, we're like, yeah, of course. But like MPJ is six ten. Aaron Gordon's a big body. Like they just had a lot of size on their team, and their offensive system is just so uh, free flowing because you can put Jokic anywhere on the floor, and he's able to contribute to that offense. He can operate anywhere um, in that half court offense. And then you have someone dynamic like Jamal Murray. You have role players that know their job. Like even Michael Porter Jr. didn't have the greatest shooting series, but uh, he was still playable throughout it because he was contributing to the game in so many other ways. Like game five, I think he had what, like 13, 14 boards or something like that. Like just doing what you need to do to contribute to championship basketball. And they had a roster that 
uh, didn't have any qualms about their playing time. They just wanted the team as a whole to succeed outside of Bones Highland, but then Bones got traded for that reason, and they had a little bit more harmony um, on their roster on the bench, and that shined through. Like It was guys playing for one another, wanting to see these vets get a championship, wanting to see Ishmith get his ring, see Jeff Green get a ring, playing their hearts because they're like, we don't know how many more chances we'll have to be here on the stage, so let's make the most of it while we have the chance to, and I very much enjoyed it. I know you mentioned like some parallels between the the this team and then that Bucks team that won a championship. And one of the biggest ones that comes to mind for me when looking at it was just like narrative um, around these teams and their superstars that are leading them. Like for the Bucks, it was, you know, Giannis back-to-back MVP, but he can't win the ring. He can't win the big thing. And then he goes out, uh, destroys his leg in the the semi or in the conference finals and then shows up in the finals and then the closeout game has a 50 piece like it was amazing to watch him you know come back from that injury impact the game on both sides of the floor um, and then have that 50 piece and then you look at uh, the Joker where it's like again MVP he can't win a ring he can't win a ring even with Jamal Murray his I don't know if you want to call him the Robin to his Batman here unnecessarily but you know it was bubble Jamal Murray it's only bubble Jamal Murray but it's like he hasn't been healthy the last few years and now he has a chance to to come out here and and hoop and he did just that so um the parallels between the narrative around Jokic and Giannis into their championship years is eerily similar to me um and then just seeing Jamal Murray like be healthy and live up to what he did in the bubble was great. And thinking about Chris Middleton on that Bucks team, where it's just like, you know, people were always questioning if Chris had it, if Chris could do it, is Chris really a good number two on this team? And then you see Giannis go out against Atlanta and they don't win without Chris Middleton in that series. Like he just took over and did his thing. So like, I definitely do see some parallels between these two squads. Yeah, so uh, it it really struck me last night um, watching Game Five and and seeing the Nuggets finally get it, and um, I guess also you know regardless of the outcome here, the the good thing for the Bucks was we kept the streak intact of winning the title or losing to a team that went to play for a title, not necessarily winning it under a Mike Budenholzer. So we'll see if Adrian Griffin can at least keep that rolling too for the Bucks fans that want to say, hey. At least we lost to the team that uh, represented the uh, the conference in the finals. But look, I remember um, still very clearly 2021 in game six. And uh, after it was final, being down there on the floor with a, a handful of uh, members of the Bucks that I got a chance to work with through the year and just really soaking it in. And I still remember that feeling of, yeah. I, I can't believe – that they did this for, you know, people like us that have grown up on the bucks to, to be through some of those very, very lean years, not just the 15 win season, but a lot of those Bradley center years too. And thinking back to some of those names that you would root for like a blue Edwards and Frank Bukowski <laughs> and Dodd day and Eric Murdoch backcourt and, and Eric Mobley and, and some of those teams to finally see that team break through and uh, win a championship. I remember thinking, years prior when you would see the Bucks come up short and, and you would almost spite root against some of the other teams like well I don't want to see the Raptors win and ultimately they did um, I remember after the Bucks won a title changing and feeling differently man this feeling is unlike anything and I want other fan bases especially long suffering ones to experience that so for Denver to get it was one of those things of yeah I, I feel good 
for Denver Nuggets fans to have to experience this in 47 years that they waited to get that title. Bucks waited 50 years. I know they had one, but 50 years in between titles. And some of those similarities, too, that really struck me. You mentioned Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and the parallels between Jokic and Giannis are obviously out there. And I think that's really the biggest thing that you would point to. And I, I pointed out last night to not to diminish from what Nikola Jokic has done because this playoff run from Nikola Jokic oh, is great. Yeah. As good as Giannis was and to see what he did in the closeout coming back when we thought we may not, you know, not only see him again in the playoffs, we might not see him for over a year was the thought with that injury, but what Nikola Jokic did in this playoffs, it might be the best playoff run that we have seen in decades from anyone in, in, in what he did carrying his team, the statistical numbers. But really, Camille, the thing that struck me the most uh, with, with Jokic, and it really stood out more than anything during this playoff run, was you know when the ball is in his hands, how many times do you see a bad play or see him make a mistake or a bad pass? Like, you can count it on one hand. There was one play last night where he tried to kind of volleyball pass to Aaron Gordon, and it was just out of his reach. But plays like that are so rare from him. And as great as Giannis is, we can't say that about Giannis. Giannis is a very good passer. He's not Nikola Jokic. But there's just this sense of calm when the ball is in the hands of Nikola Jokic that you know, well, Denver's going to at least get a good look here and, and have a good possession as long as he touches it. Absolutely. That's that's the key of it, where when Jokic does make a mistake, it's it's surprising to see it. It's not like, a well, it could happen. Like, you just don't expect to see him do it. And to your point about his run, like, I saw somebody on my Twitter asking the question, who had a better playoffs run, Giannis in 2021 or Jokic in 2023? And being in Milwaukee, a lot of the results did skew <laughs> to Giannis, of course, and it's not to diminish. It's It's one of those things where – when you're comparing greatness, it's not a slight to say that this great performance was a little bit better than this great performance. Right. Like that's it, the it doesn't topic. mean Giannis was bad. Exactly. And to that point, I was like, the entire playoff run, Jokic, I think, had a better run. But if you want to talk about like the closeout game performance or finals performance, I think there's a little bit more of an argument for Giannis, just given the the injury component um that he had to deal with through it and the impact he was able to make with game-saving defensive plays in addition to the 50-piece in the closeout game. So, um, again, it's not – I don't think disrespectful to say I think Jokic had a better entire playoff run, but Giannis in the finals was – that was special. And one thing that you mentioned that I definitely wanted to say is I definitely agree with cheering for the fan bases where it's like you, you've you been waiting for this for a long, long time. And the Nuggets is a team that was also put together um, somewhat more organically than some other teams have been. So, I mean, one could argue that with uh, the Bucks, where it was Chris and, and Giannis at your core, and then you continued to try to tweak on the roster, add on to it. Of course, we know that Drew Holiday trade was a big piece of them getting the championship. Um, trading Drew for Eric Bledsoe was a big upgrade for this team, and that's no disrespect to Eric Bledsoe. I think the type of point guard that bled was is also like the type that drew is it's just that you executes a bit better um than eric bledsoe did although some might point to playoff offensive numbers and say is it really all that different but um we got that championship with drew there and looking at denver i'm happy for their fan base i'm happy that they get to experience uh a championship after not seeing one like you mentioned the bucks had to go 50 years in between championships so that's a lifetime for me like i <laughs> 
was born not knowing a winning like championship Bucks team. And I finally got to see one. And that's a feeling like you mentioned that I will never forget. Like I remember on my social, I recorded a video. Like as soon as I was realizing we're about to win, you start getting those chills and you start thinking about like the whole season. You start thinking about the run these players have had. You start thinking about your favorite players are on this team and how happy you are to see them finally get that championship and, uh, thinking about like the bets I named earlier for the Nuggets, it was really cool to see Brooke get one. It was cool to see PJ get his championship. So um, congrats to the Denver fans. It was, I understand, like as a Bucks fan, I can completely understand how you were feeling, how you are feeling. And I hope that y'all have a lot of fun at that parade. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fraternity almost for those, those teams where it's, it's one thing when the Celtics or the Lakers right. or the Warriors get another one. But when it's, you know, you, you think back to, well, the last five uh, champions we've seen, three of those teams have been the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Denver Nuggets, which if you grew up in the 90s or around the NBA in the 90s and said any of those teams were going to win a championship, I think the only one you would think, eh, maybe, was the Nuggets back in their heyday with those Dikembe Mutombo and, and Robert Pack and Lafonso Ellis teams, but uh, certainly not the superpowers that we've seen. So that's a, another piece that I know is something we'll get to in a moment, too, when we talked about the parody that I think is definitely something that Adam Silver wants. And we have started to see more of these new teams starting to break through and, uh, and win a championship. So I do want to get to some more similarities that uh, we've seen, at least I think between uh, the most recent champion here in the Denver Nuggets and uh, what we saw from the Bucks when they won the uh, title two years ago, but also Time to remind you about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It is the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know the part is going to fit or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And so uh, Giannis, we mentioned he and Jokic, obviously the the comparisons and the similarities that that make the most sense. And I did see uh, last night as well, somebody pointed out, look at all these things Nikola Jokic has accomplished at the age of 28. He's an NBA champion, an NBA finals MVP, a two-time MVP, five-time All-NBA, five-time All-Star as well, did all this at 28, which, you know, some of the things we said, hey, it's not to take away from Jokic, but it gets the gears turning in well, wait a minute. I feel like we said the same things about Giannis two years ago. Giannis was 26 years old, finals MVP, two-time MVP, five-time All-NBA at that point. It's seven-time now. Five-time All-Star, seven-time at this point now. He was a four-time All-Defensive player and a Defensive Player of the Year. So it's really different levels of greatness that we're seeing from both of these guys in, in Jokic and Giannis. And as part of the NBA uh, MVP conversation we've had throughout the course of this season as well, and that, look, only one guy can win. And, and it's just unfortunate 
that Giannis and Jokic and Joel Embiid are having these seasons overlapping each other, that it really just illustrates how much talent is in this league. And, you know, we're in one of these boom periods, once again, where you looked back at the 80s and the 70s of, of all the talent that you saw in some of these dynasties. And we're seeing it again with these individual levels of talent, especially at the big man position with those three guys. So it, it's easy to make that comparison of, well, Jokic, you know, two straight MVPs, the one year that maybe he had his best year and should have won it again. Maybe that was narrative driven of, can we give this guy three straight, mm-hmm. especially coming up short in the playoffs? He didn't get the MVP. He got the title. It was the same thing for Giannis, but you know, to take it a step further and some of the other things, look at that core. And you mentioned uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray, and, and that was really the foundation. No one's going to dispute Giannis and Chris was the foundation for the Bucks. Jokic and Murray, Nikola Jokic, 28 years old, Jamal Murray, 26 years old. When the Bucks won the title, Giannis was 26 years old. Chris Middleton was 29 years old. Obviously, Drew Holiday a little bit older, but you had the ages lining up and that group that had been together for a couple of years coming up short. You mentioned doing some tinkering when the Bucks lost in the bubble. When they lost to the Raptors, it was, well, how can we build out a little more depth? Then you lose in the bubble and it's, well, we got to dramatically change this and bring in Drew Holiday and let's retool some of the role players as well. Denver did the same thing where you look at adding Aaron Gordon a lot of things that Drew Holiday gave you, Aaron Gordon gave you the same thing. And they had a little longer runway with knowing last year wasn't really going to be their year with no Jamal Murray, but it still gave you a full year to fit him in. And Aaron Gordon, outside of uh, Nikola Jokic, maybe had the most important finals for the Denver Nuggets, but also some of the things like those role players. And you know, you think back to how big guys like Bruce Brown were yeah. for the Nuggets throughout the playoffs and especially in that finals. And we had a chance to see Bruce Brown up close and personal in that semifinal series against the Brooklyn Nets. And I think any Bucks fans at, at fan after that series could tell you, yeah, Bruce Brown is a very good player and somebody I would love to have on my team. Kentavious Coldwell Pope and, and what he did as the role player that made those big plays one by one, you found these guys with the Denver Nuggets that just started to remind you of, well, that's, what P.J. Tucker gave us, and that's what Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton did mm-hmm. throughout the uh, finals and throughout the playoffs, but especially the finals, that there's a lot of this you know, homegrown, the age of the stars, the tinkering and the, and the coming up short, and, and how much of a journey this was for the Denver Nuggets that this wasn't overnight. You, know, you mentioned what Jamal Murray did in the bubble, coming up short a couple of years in a row and, and doing that tinkering a lot of uh, memories and reminiscent of what the Bucks had to go through and losing to the Raptors. Even before that, you know, first round exits to the Raptors and the Celtics mm-hmm. and back to the drawing board and some of this tinkering and really, you know, Denver, not a small market compared to Milwaukee, but in terms of the NBA, right. it's not New York, it's not Los Angeles. So those similarities as well, the whole experience and the long suffering fan base just, you know, kept reminding me over and over of how the Bucs did this and and what it felt like two years ago as you, you saw the Denver Nuggets win the championship. So to me, a lot of similarities when you look at how these two teams were constructed, the core and the age of that core. But I kept coming back to one other thing once you looked at all those similarities in that this morning, a lot of the chatter is, well, the Denver Nuggets are clearly the next dynasty. And, it, and it's easy to make that comparison because – the ages that we just mentioned with Jokic and with Jamal Murray and uh, how Nikola Jokic right now 
as much as we love Giannis, it's indisputable that Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball as of this moment. But we jump to this, hey, Denver's the next dynasty, so who can get past Denver? And if I go back two years ago, maybe not quite as loud that we were hearing those chants for the Bucks, but you felt the same way. And sometimes life happens where Chris Middleton gets injured, where you run up against the buzzsaw in the Miami Heat, that it's easy to jump on this, hey, who's going to take down Denver when you have Jokic at the top of his game and still younger than 30 and all these other pieces and things building the way of the Nuggets. But we thought a lot of those things about the Bucs, and it just shows you, you know, how much it's easy to hate on what the Warriors have done in other dynasties, but it makes you appreciate them even more when you thought, hey, the Bucs had a lot of these things going in their favor as well. And here we sit two years later with just that one championship. It's not easy to do, to be a repeat champion, especially looking at the Warriors dynasty, the most recent one. It's not easy what LeBron James has done over the last you know, 15 years of his career by consistently appearing in the NBA finals. That is difficult to do. And with the way the NBA is shifting a bit now, uh, I feel like it makes it even more difficult. Like you can look at Denver and say, yes, this is a team that will be in contention every single year because their core is young. They can continue to grow together. They're under contract for, I think, at least the next two years. They're main yeah. with and, and not to cut you off, but the biggest thing, it's the same as the Bucs. Where, would you say they're the title favorite? No, but they're in contention because of one guy, and that's Giannis and Jokic, and that's the same story mm-hmm. for those two teams. And I think that's the, the piece that we have to start to shift our mentality around because if there is more parity in the league, that means it's more opportunities for other teams to break through where it's not – like it was during those Warriors-Cavs days where you're like, I know how this season is going to end. It's going to be the Warriors out of the West. It's going to be the Cavs in the East. It's not that simple now. It's a thing of like, here are a tier of contending teams who all have a legitimate shot at it. And the Bucks championship run helped me realize this even more because there were so many people who, you know, wanted to troll and be like, well, if KD's shoe wasn't as big, then you wouldn't have a championship. But every year, for every championship, there is some amount of luck that goes into it. It's just the way that it goes. For when the Warriors won, no one thought KD was going to get hurt. Because yeah. everybody's like, oh, it doesn't matter who the Warriors see, they're going to win. But or Clay, for right. that matter. Like everything, the wheels fell off. Yeah, and, and that happens. And, and, and it's the thing that people have to consider. Where That's why it's like every year, take your shot to try to win. Because you don't know what's going to happen as you continue to play these games. Like... If you would have told Miami Heat fans before the season ended, not even before, when the play-in started, but like, hey, you guys are going to the finals. There would have been some shock. Like, are you sure this Heat team is going to go to the finals? But like, they started playing well at the same time that they had some good luck, some good fortune, and things rolled for them. And it's not to discredit the work the players have done or what they do on the court. It's just the reality of it. Like a lot of things have to go your way and break right for you to end up on that biggest stage with a chance to win a championship. You got to be lucky and you got to be good and it's and healthy. And healthy. <laughs> yeah. Those are the three big things that you need luck. You need the talent and skill, but you also have to stay healthy. And we've seen that two years in a row now for the Bucks. I mean, I've, I've seen, and I don't think you and I have talked about this, but I've seen quite a bit. And it's, it's actually funny that now that the playoffs have concluded, you've heard more of it. It seems like as we've gotten further removed from the series, but more national voices saying, yeah, I'd like to see that first round series played again. If both teams were fully healthy, if Giannis didn't suffer that injury in, uh, 
in game one that it's interesting the timing of that to to become more of a narrative because look that was a big part of it but I don't know that at this moment I'm ready to say look if Giannis is healthy the Bucs still win that series based on everything else that we saw but it is still an injury that two years in a row have have impacted the Bucs in the playoffs so you, you need luck you need that health and you just have to put yourself at that table and be in a position to take advantage of all of those, because as, as much as, as we point out the, the Kevin Durant shoe size, and, and you'll continue to hear it, especially if the Bucks finish with just that one championship, it'll be, yeah, but you know, what if Kevin Durant wore a, a half size smaller shoe, then they don't get that one? Maybe, but also it, it doesn't guarantee that the Brooklyn Nets get that, and maybe it's somebody else. So uh, that's just how fickle and, and how much things can change, and it, it really is. You hear it in football and everywhere else, but it's true in basketball too that it's, it's mm-hmm. a game of inches, and you need, as, as we mentioned, the talent, the, uh, the health, and you need some luck on your side as well. Uh, when we talk about uh, championships, the one other thing I, I wanted to get to here to kind of tie in the similarities between these two teams is so as we always see, not just in the NBA, but with every sport, as soon as one season ends, we have to look forward to the new season. And with that, you, you look at the championship odds that Vegas will release and no surprise for all those reasons that we pointed out and in what you're starting to hear about the Denver Nuggets, that the Denver Nuggets are the, the favorite as of this moment on June 13th to win the NBA championship next summer. The team with the second best odds, also not a big surprise, I think, is is the Boston Celtics. But maybe a relative, relatively big surprise, or at least somewhat of a, an eyebrow raise of, oh, okay, the team with the third best odds to win the championship is our Milwaukee Bucks. And it's not to say I, I thought the Bucks would fall completely out of the top 10, but when you look around, I mean, I think the new CBA has a lot to do with this, but still in years past, I think you would have seen teams like the Phoenix Suns maybe with the third best odds, even Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and Nick Nurse in tow now. Who knows what's going to happen with James Harden? But I think you'd see a lot more of these fringe teams leapfrog the Bucs if for no other reason than, hey, that they're new. Let's go with them. But that new CBA probably has a lot to do with it because the Phoenix Suns, you look at how that team's constructed, it's easy to say, well, Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant, that's going to be tough to offset. But how are you going to fill out the rest of the exactly. roster? And that new CBA is going to make it difficult. It's going to potentially do the same. I know Philly is in a little better spot than the Bucks, but still, if James Harden leaves, it's not a great free agent market. I think the name that's going to get the most attention is Fred Van Vliet of could you get him and replace James Harden? But even still, is that kind of treading water is how much of an upgrade is that? So that new CBA to me is the ultimate equalizer that you you look at these teams, at least the top three teams. And it's an indication of you got Nikola Jokic. One team has Giannis, the Celtics. We know about that core. There's going to be some minor pieces that are likely gone, but for the nuggets as well, it's not just Jokic. You got Jamal Murray and same for Denver. There's some minor pieces that are going to be leaving there as well. But for the bucks, we think Chris Middleton's going to be back. It sounds like league-wide they think Brooke Lopez is likely to be back, and it's just we'll figure out the CBA as, as we get into it. It's, it's these teams that already have that foundation of not just two superstars but a little bit extra that I think we're seeing the betting experts say, well, that's who, as of right now, I have the most confidence in. 
And it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because those teams that you mentioned, like they have superstars, like they have guys on them where it's like, yeah, I could see them being the engine to drive this team to a championship. And to the point you made earlier about Nikola Jokic being arguably the best player in the world right now, that's the thing that I found frustrating about the MVP discourse where it's like, because I'm making an argument for Giannis, let's say, does not mean that I think that if Jokic Yo, or bad. Yeah. they like it's a it's a shame, it's a sham mockery. Like if <laughs> these are cases that you're making, and each case is valid for that reason. And even in Giannis's viewpoint, he would probably also say at this moment, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world because to him, if you win the championship, then the team that has the championship, their star is that best player. He said it was. Steph after the Warriors won last year, he probably would say it's Jokic this year. So um, that's the way that it goes. And with the CBA, a lot of teams are going to be trying to figure it out as we go. And we still haven't seen the full plan released at this point. So we're, we're putting it together from what we do know. And we know it's not all going to be implemented this upcoming season. But what I think we're going to see, because a lot of these teams are going to be cap box, these contending teams is a lot of those trades with those mid tier, those role player guys where it's like, this isn't necessarily working out over here, but your guy might work better in our situation than what we currently have. So I think we might have a pretty busy, busy offseason in that regards where it's not necessarily a lot of the stars being traded, but those role players are trying to put together um, better supporting cast for the superstars that are locked in because of the CBA, um, making it more difficult for super teams to form. So uh, again, this is the first day officially of the NBA offseason. Um, we're going to be seeing, you know, the, the free market agency open up at the end of the month going into July. We have the draft coming up next week already. So it moves quick. And even to that point, we saw Denver make a trade for yeah, upcoming during draft the finals. Thunder. Yeah, because it's like, well, the Thunder are probably entering to the portion of we have too many draft picks to actually use. So let's try to consolidate some while Denver's like, we're going to need some more cheap labor here because we are going to be cap locked here at the top. So it's going to be interesting watching how the league unfolds, but man, I'm, I'm excited for it. And, uh, and, and that, and the, the busy upcoming off season that I agree with you, I think we're going to see quite a bit of movement. Uh, it brings us to the final thing to touch on that. I do want to get to in just a second here, but not before we remind you of FanDuel. It is uh, the best way to make your sports bets, make your way to FanDuel because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yes, $2,500. You get back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel, it's great and easy to play. They run everyday promotions, safe and secure on the app. You get paid instantly as well. The best part of all of it, that and the $2,500 uh, back bonus bets, back in bonus bets, the best part about fan duel no better place to bet all the action playoff action in the nhl for at least one more day and then major league baseball it's almost football season before you know it camille it's going to be nba season again no better place to bet than america's number one sports book fan duel visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get that no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars it's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, you mentioned 
a lot of movement. I agree. I think it's going to be a very busy season. I think it's going to be that group that you touched on as well. Uh, not to say that we're calling for any of these players to be moved, but uh, for comparison's sake, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you would look at some of those guys that are in the mid range of salaries that are like seven to 10, $11 million range. So in years past, it was your George Hills and looking at this group, uh, the names as much as we love them all, like a Bobby Portis or Pat Connaughton, even a Grayson Allen, who is extension eligible to this offseason. Uh, those are the names, not just on the Bucks, but those are the types of names I think you're going to see quite a bit of movement with in this offseason. And uh, Doc Rivers, who so we've seen quite a few coaches appearing all over various platforms now in this offseason. Nick Nurse has uh, done a few interviews. He was on the uh, Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst and uh, Tim McNan and Tim Bontemps about a week ago talking about why he chose Philadelphia and some of the things that he's going to be tasked with, with uh, coaching Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers. Speaking of Philadelphia, the recently fired coach of the Sixers, Doc Rivers was on Bill Simmons podcast right after the finals, which in itself, a little bit of irony with uh, some of the things that Bill had to say and uh, write about Doc Rivers through the years as a, a Boston Celtics fan. Um, but I thought, and I know Bill Simmons can be very polarizing. I thought it was a very good listen because you're reminded immediately hearing Doc Rivers in that format, just how good he is. And uh, you remember, and any older fan too can remember, um, not to say that you're old Camille, but anybody that's <laughs> followed the NBA long enough, you remember Doc Rivers as the TV analyst and just yeah. how good he was at that role and, and how we've been kind of deprived of that now with Doc's coaching the last couple of years, especially as some of the analysts have been very uh, hit or miss recently, but hearing him uh, just talk basketball reminded just how good Doc Rivers is at that job. He said he's taking a year off. Obviously there's no open jobs. So kind of a chicken and egg theory there, but um, it did indicate he's open to TV and potentially doing his own podcast too, which I think would be very good for basketball fans. But the reason I bring all of it up is he talked about, where he sees the league headed and talking about that Nuggets team specifically and winning the title and some of the names we mentioned that helped them get there, like a Bruce Brown and uh, Michael, uh, not Michael Porter Jr., like Contavious Caldwell Pope, Jeff Green, too, another one of those names that had some big moments for them. Um, Bruce Brown is going to be a free agent, and Bruce Brown probably priced himself out of what the Denver Nuggets can afford with that performance. But Doc pointed out, he thinks the way things are headed, we're going to see a lot of guys basically doing one and done's in that what this new CBA has done is it's made it. So, Hey, every team, it seems like is going to have two at least high figure guys that you're giving your money to the mid-level exception has gone up for the non-tax paying teams. It's gone down for those tax paying teams. It does kind of seem like all of this, has kind of shrunk the um, the availability for some of those types of players that we just mentioned in those mid-tier contracts that it's kind of shrunk the market for that. And we went, I think, initially thinking, well, this is going to be bad for teams like the Bucks and like the Celtics and the Warriors because you're going to have to rely on getting guys to sign the veteran mid-level, basically. And now I kind of wonder if we're going to see more guys taking that then we anticipate and just saying, well, yeah, I'll do it for a year and you have my bird rights and I can you know, sign a larger deal similar to what we saw Bobby Portis do, or you just move on and, and sign that deal elsewhere the following year. 
And I thought it was interesting. Doc Rivers is the first guy connected to the league and, and with experience there that, that we've now heard say, I kind of think that's what's going to happen. That guys like Bruce Brown, who signed with the Nuggets this year, had a breakout performance, probably going to get paid elsewhere. He sees that as, as being the model of, of where we head in this day and age now of parity in the new CBA. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out because there are always unintended consequences um, when you switch up a CBA like this. So again, to your point that it was Doc, who was kind of like the first guy kind of thinking how he sees it playing out is really interesting. I'm going to check out this particular episode uh, of the Bill Simmons podcast, because like you mentioned, Doc is really good at media. So it'll be interesting to see because I saw even like Bruce Brown was like, well, you know, money's not everything. And it's like, well, you just won the championship tonight. That might change when you see the bag thrown at you, similar to how Monty Williams was like, I'm not coaching this year. And then here comes Detroit. Like, you can make up to $100 million. And it's like, guess I am coaching this year. So we'll definitely see how that plays out. But I do wonder, to your point, is that going to increase that one and done aspect of it that, that Doc was talking about? Because I haven't considered that. But it does make sense for guys to think, like, I'm going to bet on myself this year here. going to try to win a championship. Um, we might even see to that point more roster turnover um, at those role player, uh, you know, MLE levels, which again, haven't really thought too much about how that's going to go. So um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. And we're going to probably start seeing some of those first few dominoes start to fall this upcoming summer. Um, like you mentioned with the contract decision for somebody like Bruce Brown, like where do you go? What do you do next? So um, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Yeah, we've already seen uh, Fred Van Vliet to decline right. the player option, which uh, not unexpected, but also makes you wonder, well, why didn't you trade him or other players at the deadline? Uh, I believe Chris is next week. I think it's the 21st or 22nd um, that we'll, we'll get some idea of what um, he's going to do with his option. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, you can have one preconceived notion going in, but you really need a, a full off season to see how teams approach this and, and more specifically how the players union does. If you see them saying, yeah, because in years past, you may not see quite as much of it either of not necessarily urging, but signing off and saying, yeah, I guess it does make sense for you to, to sign for a lesser amount on one year on a prove it deal. Uh, that's not anything the players association would fully <laughs> indoors in the past but that may be the new model where we talk about one and done in, in college that it may be one and done at least in terms of role players at the nba level now um moving forward so some interesting things that uh, that doc had to say there and you know the other part too he, he went into great lengths too in, in talking about the coaching experience and and what it was like in philadelphia and coaching some of those names that we mentioned with joel Embiid and Ben Simmons did come up too, but Ooh. even reliving some of his experiences elsewhere too, where he took you in the, inside the mind of a coach of some of those series with the Clippers. And he addressed his three, uh, one and three, two leads that have, have slipped by. So I, I thought it was a really good, intro, a li really good listen and getting inside the mind there of uh, doc rivers and, and how he addressed that. But uh, yeah, the, the way that we may see player movement as we approach the off season. Now, one of the more, interesting things that uh, that he had to say and the bucks you know have a number of those guys too that we talked about last week you, you saw some of those names at the press conference for adrian griffin with a guy like joe ingles jay crowder is a guy that they can extend as well javon carter so the bucks have some of those names too not necessarily one and done in the case of javon but 
that may be the way of the league now where it's just guys that are signing for those deals, proving it, moving on to larger scale deals elsewhere and uh, role player movement as well. As you mentioned that it's, it's not so much teams that are going to be willing to make moves they did in the past because of this cap. It, it, it could be more of a, we have uh, a quarter and you have two dimes and a nickel. Why don't we just <laughs> trade for that? Because that quarter suits us better than having two dimes yeah. does and vice versa for you. So it, it definitely feels like that's where we're headed here. Isn't it? We're now what two weeks away from uh, the moratorium being lifted and then free agency beginning the first week in July. Yeah, I can't wait. And and to that point, I know we're wrapping up. So I do want to say another thing happening in two weeks, live locked on bucks, yeah. broken bat uh, Wednesday, the 28th at 7 PM. Make sure that you come out and join us. Justin will be there. I'll be there. Of course, Kane and Frank and Eric name as well. So it is the full Locked on Bucks crew. Make sure that you all come out. Yeah, not to take anything away from uh, you, me and Eric, but I, I think people are probably more excited for <laughs> uh, for Frank or Kane. And oh, sure. I'm honestly not sure which one they're more excited to see. As much as we all love Kane, getting Frank out of Texas, out of the house, explaining all the cat minutia in person and I'm also curious, uh, Camille, how many people are going to come to Broken Bat Brewing with a fresh slice of Rocky Rococo's <laughs> to give to Frank for the podcast? Well, I say this. If anybody is bringing Frank a slice, I would also like a pepperoni um, while you're at it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot that uh, we will continue to sort out here. And uh, two weeks from when you listen to this, either tomorrow or today, the uh, live podcast at Broken Bat Brewing, June 28th, 7 p.m. So uh, if you're in the area, be sure to stop by for that. We promise Kane will be back shortly as he, he really has no excuses now that the finals have yeah. officially ended. So he'll be back on this feed in no time. But uh, for Camille, I am Justin, and we'll see you down the road.